NPR Around the Rink. I'm Jared Oster. With me always is Big Triple Y, the big man, Chewy. How are we doing today, buddy? Actually, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're back in the offices here uh, on a rotation. Uh, you know, it's nice to see some people's uh, eyes. You don't get to see their faces. We're all wearing masks, but it's just great to see people. I didn't realize how much you could tell what someone's thinking just looking at their eyes. <laughs> you know, you I've can said do... some things to some people and I've looked at their eyes and I'm like, they're not, they're not liking what I'm saying right now. <laughs> if you can do that, that's quite the art. I'm really impressed with you. Like every day I'm getting more and more impressed with like your uh, education, your, uh, oh. your personality, everything. <laughs> I'm glad you're impressed with my education. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've worked so hard to get where I am. Uh, well, let's first of all talk about, we'll talk about hockey in a second because it made me laugh the other day. I was sitting on the couch and I'm like, we never talk hockey on the hockey podcast. So uh, maybe we should start. But first off, let's talk about your earbuds you got in. This guy's wearing um, no strings attached, right? No strings. This guy's like high class AirPods. Is that what they call them, Chu? I think that's what they call them. Like the only problem that I like, so I was, uh, my COVID uh, round two, 2.0 purchase was a new phone. I got a new phone. And part of the purchase, well, part of the selling purchase was that you got free AirPods. So oh, that, man. you know, being Ukrainian and, and the art and negotiation, I didn't have to do anything with it. So that's why I got them. But the, my only problem is, is my ears are so big that I got to play with them how they look. Sometimes they got to put them up like this, you know, sometimes, so it looks like I got a little bit of some stuff coming out of my ears, but they're, you know, if you're looking for a good purchase, I would get them. How are you dealing with people looking at you in a different way? Like you're a high roller now. Well, I'm not as high roller as, uh, you know, our um, other person on the podcast. I don't know what Taylor's official title title is, but she's got the next level up. I'm not there. Like she's got the AirPod Pros. Well, I told you guys, you guys have these AirPods and I'm still using the original headset from like the iPhone 2. So we know where we stand here. Uh, all right, let's talk about hockey here. It just opened up. Thank goodness we have hockey to watch again. Uh, what do you think of the opening night first off? And uh, what do you think about the Jets game last night? Well, you know, you watch the games and I think everybody's as excited to, you know, sit in a lazy boy and, and grab a beverage and watch hockey and flip through it. I think it's, you know, I heard a uh, read on the Twitter the other day, it's going to be 161 days or something where it's going to be constant hockey on, which is awesome. Uh, it's not great hockey. It's, you know, it's, it's sloppy. It's rusty. It's, you know, not smooth. Um, I think if you ask all those NHL players, I think the three or four games, they're going to be their exhibition games, you know, but uh it's good. It's competitive. You can see that uh, they're excited to play. It's really different not having fans, but uh, at the end of the day, it's still hockey, which I'm really excited about. How about you? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, it's nice to see some of the the opening nights. I mean, it's different, right? Different divisions, different everything. But uh, how how can't you be happy when you, the first game is Pittsburgh uh, Flyers? And then you get to watch the Battle of Ontario to follow it up. And you're just like, man, every game seems to be these heated rivals. And uh, I, I feel it's kind of cool, too, that we're starting the season. Like you said, yeah, it's the start of the season, but we're halfway through kind of. So 
it's going to be imperative. Like I think these guys know, yeah, uh, these games might be rusty, but the points still matter. And if ever in a season, uh, you can't go on a five game, six game losing streak to start off your season or you're pretty much out of it. Right. So uh, these early games are going to be huge to get points. And uh, we've already seen in the Northern division, like there's been, you know, two or three, three point or yeah, three point games. Right. So, it's going to be tight, and I think it's going to come down to the final day in most of the divisions to see who's in and who's not. Sure. And are we going to call it the Northern Division? Are we going to call it the Canadian Division? Are we calling it what is the Scotia well, Bank? Is it? I don't even know what the proper term or name of it is. I don't either. I just, you know, I've seen a couple of things. It should be called the Canadian Division. Let's be real. I mean, it's all Canadian teams. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the Northern Division just because, you know, we are the North. Yeah, let's stick. Let's stick with that. We'll call it the Northern Division on the podcast. Okay, Northern Division. Yeah. That'll sound like we know what we're talking about. Exactly. Who's right. your Who's your Who's your go-to? Like, uh, say the top three finish in the, uh, after fifty-six games. Who's going to be your top three teams? Top three teams. Oh man, um, I have no idea. <laughs> to be honest with you, like it's. I mean, I've noticed this in the last couple of years, like every team seems to be good. I think it's going to come down to, you know, who, uh, who doesn't have major injuries and who gets goaltending, right? And, and whose team, you know, it's kind of like the World Juniors a little bit where you want your team to, the teams that are quickest to gel and get their systems down and work as a team, that's going to be the biggest thing this year uh, right from the start where, like we just talked about where you don't have time to, to lose, right? Like you, you got to get on a win streak and you got to put some points on the board early. So if we're asking who might be at the end, I, you know, it's the typical, typical teams, right? I think flyers have a really good team. If you look at their team from goaltending position all the way through their forwards defense, they got a pretty strong team. Vegas always has a good team. Uh, I'll tell you what I like, though. I like the fact that nobody, and I mean nobody, is talking about the Jets. Keep that going, because I'll tell you what, the Jets play way better when nobody even gives us a chance. We fly under the radar. Keep that. I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, Winnipeg's a top contender. No, we're not. And, uh, but I, I was really impressed with our game last night. I thought we played real well, and uh, we're starting to see some of these younger players that you know, maybe two or three years ago where we're like expecting big things out of some players. Now they're looking a little bit more mature and they understand what, you know, what their game is. So I'm excited for this year. Yeah. You know what? You're exactly right. I think that's such a big point with the Jets. You know, you got the guys who were the youngsters, the rookies two or three years ago, uh, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're the guys who know what they're doing. They're KG veterans. If you want to put a tag on them, but they're the ones that are just going to go play. And they're in the top six kind of for the Jets right now. Those are the guys that are going to have to, you know, carry the load for us. But the one thing I really like about the Jets is who they brought in. Some of the veterans they brought in that are going to be the guys that just, you know, just kind of steer the ship the right way in the dressing room, do the heavy lifting. Like you saw in the game last night, it was like, you know, when they needed in the third period, when they needed to kind of log some time to give their stars some breathing room, that's who was on the ice, the third and fourth line guys. And it, they haven't had a good fourth line. And I know the coach likes a good fourth line. So it's going to be really interesting to see 
uh, how the team grows, and I'm really looking forward to watching your Jets. Well, like like you said, that fourth line, um, you know, some of the pickups we got in the offseason weren't like, you know, people weren't celebrating like with fireworks or anything, but those are the kind of moves that you need to make, right? Like Nate Thompson, for years I've been, I don't like playing the guy. Right. So to have him on the team on the fourth line, Trevor Lewis and then Perot. Right. And there was uh, there was at least three shifts there late in the game where they had they had Kachuk's line in the defensive zone for the entire shift. Right. Like that's the type of stuff where we don't need goals from that line. But if you can keep uh, guys like Kachuk and Goudreau and those guys down in there playing defense, um, you know, it just helps us along the way. And then you then your top guys come out and look at line A like. I hope this guy has a season where at the end of the season, whatever he asks for, he gets. Um, if he plays like this, I mean, he's got to be on the number yeah. one line. Like he's, he's, a, he's a game changer. And what I loved is, and we noticed this last year, like let's be honest, like he back checks yeah. now and he uses his body and, and it's fun to watch. And this guy, when he, when he looks like he's engaged in a game, there isn't much better, and, and he's just that prototypical big player. So I'm super excited. I hope he has the best season of his career so he gets that payday that he, he thinks he deserves and, um, and he stays a Winnipeg Jet would be awesome yeah, for no, us. Yeah, I, I hope he stays here because it kind of will always put a, a little bit of a trademark on the Jets. And, you know, you now you look at the guys they brought up, you know, Connors and Hellebuck. And if they can keep some of these guys who become stars in the league, it's going to be a lot easier to recruit some free agents here, which is, I think, everybody wants to do. Well, last thing I'll say on this, though, too, Lionel's haircut. Man, oh, man. Okay, let me tell you, as a bald guy, I respect the fact that this guy's grown it out. But when his helmet got ripped off in the fight, did he not look like Hulk Hogan? <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, if you put a Hulkamania headband on that guy... That is as thin as they come. That hairdo is thin, but hey, man, rocking hey, it. I you know what? It. That it could looks... be your claim to fame. Like Laney, like Hulk instead of Hulk media, it's Laney media. You know, like so you get the you get there the you shirts go. and you sell them. Yeah. I thought it would be cool if after his first fight, he just tore his jersey off <laughs> like Hulk media used to do. Tay's looking at us like, who are we yeah. talking about? She's like Hulk we yeah. got Glenn Carnegie coming up, uh, the newest member of Rink Kelowna. Uh, we interviewed him, and we're super pumped to have him on. So let's get to it right now, Chew. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the podcast, former Vancouver Canucks skills coach and now regional manager of player development, British Columbia. We're super excited to welcome to the podcast, Glenn Carnegie. How are we doing today, Glenn? I'm doing great. You guys, it's good to be on here. I've I've listened to a few of your podcasts, so pretty excited to be on here. I know some of the guys you've had on there. Well, this is our first podcast since the Christmas break, so it might be a little bit rusty. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get by. <laughs> how are you how are you gonna ever fit that title on a business card? You gotta like break that down somehow. <laughs> yeah, I'll use abbreviations. I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm sure we'll abbreviate to something. <laughs> Have you seen Lates' new haircut yet? Well, I saw a video of him getting his getting his new haircut, but I haven't really seen it since. But uh, if anyone can pull it pull it off, it'd be that guy. Yeah. I just couldn't believe that he kept the skullet going for about two and a half weeks, <laughs> three weeks. That was the impressive part. 
Yeah, well, who's going to say anything to him? Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> you know, he just gets away with whatever he wants. Yeah. So, so Glenn, let's, uh, let's get started here. Uh, why don't you take us through, you know, how you got into skill development, maybe take us back to when it all got started for you. Yeah, well, it was uh, back in Winnipeg, and I, you know, I was working at uh, Focus Fitness with Jeff Wood and became a partner with him. And uh, we did obviously off ice conditioning and then on ice as well. Um, and then we kind of grew that business up. And then when the moose came back, we ended up becoming the, the strength and conditioning coaches for the moose. Uh, at the same time, I was doing conditioning with the Selkirk Steelers and the Winnipeg Thrashers. So we had a, you know, you know, the bet or the midget level, junior level. And then we finally got in, broke into the pros with, with the moose. And uh, coach Elaine Vigneault was there at the time and uh, who's a great guy to work with. And, you know, I, at that point I started doing training camps with the, with the Canucks and going in and, and doing different things with their strength coach, Roger Takahashi. Uh, and then it just, they asked me if I wanted to come up and be an assistant strength coach at first. And uh, so I did that. And then at that time, Vigneault knew the guys I'd worked with in Winnipeg, like the, the NHL guys from Winnipeg and, what I was doing on the ice and, and having skating injured guys and all that. And he just asked if I'd be interested in a role as a, as a skills coach. And, uh, you know, especially at the NHL level, I didn't really know at that point, there wasn't too many guys doing it full time. And I, I don't think too many teams have full time guys right now still. Um, but, you know, I kind of asked him uh, what he had in mind for it. And he said, well, I don't know, you're the skills coach you figured out. And uh, so that was uh, 13 years ago. So it kind of, I started as assistant strength coach and on ice skills. And then uh, when John Tortorella came in, it, would, it just became more on ice skills. And I was, I was out of the gym for a little bit. And, uh, and that's been the last, uh, what, six years, I guess, of just doing the on ice skills with the Canucks. So, so it's been a bit of a journey. You said uh, Elaine Vigneault kind of gave you kind of free reign to, you know, uh, roll with it how you wanted to. Did you find it different working for Tortorella? Was he similar or was he more structured? It's every, every coach. I've been there with, with four different coaches, so they're all a bit different. Uh, with Tortorella, it was a little different because he came in and, and didn't know me at all. You know, so it was it was tough at, at the start because now all of a sudden the things I was doing and comfortable doing it, you know, it kind of was like, whoa, whoa, like let's, he had, I had to earn his trust a little bit. Um, so it kind of wasn't as involved right away. And then I just had to build it back up again, earn his trust. And then, you know, kind of understanding what our players needed and, and showing them video. So I became a lot more into not only just working with guys on ice, but doing a lot more video with them. If some of my ice time was pulled back a little bit, you know what I mean? So I always kind of tried to find a way to, to be relevant and to, to find a way to help our players. And I, I guess kind of once the coaches saw what I did and it just kind of evolved each time with different coaches. What's, uh, what's the biggest difference that you, you see in, uh, in the player that when you first started to the player today, like what's the biggest, you know, whether it be skill or mindset, like what's the, how do you perceive players nowadays compared to when you started? Well, first, first and foremost, it's speed. I mean, it, like the guys all can skate. Doesn't matter if you're six four or or five ten. You you gotta be able to skate. 
and uh, the agility of the players. And, you know, it's, it's incredible. Like you watch it, a player like Quinn Hughes now coming up and the things he does with his edge work and his skating, it, it's incredible. So um, that I think is probably the biggest, biggest difference. Um, the mindset is a little bit different. I think you have to um, talk to the players a little bit differently and uh, make sure that they understand you're not criticizing your coaching. And uh, you just, I think it's a little bit more, the players are way more knowledgeable, I guess. And then, and that's within 12 years that I've been there. They just, they have so much information. They have access to stuff on Instagram and all that. So I think those are probably the two or three biggest things for me. <clears throat> so when you first started, did you find that, uh, because you said there wasn't really much, I mean, even nowadays that you said like, there's not, uh, you know, NHL teams don't have skills coaches or full-time skills coaches. Did you find when you first started that uh, you had to earn the guys' trust too? Like maybe they hadn't done lots of skill development as kids? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think that was my biggest, biggest fear. I mean, I didn't play in the NHL at all. So, uh, you know, what? who am I to tell these guys what to do? But I think what really helped is uh, I came up with a lot of the guys from the Moose. So, you know, Alex Edler was with the Moose, Alex Burroughs, BX, uh, Ryan Kessler, um, so I, I had that relationship with those guys already and they kind of knew the things I did and, and how I work. So I think that was a big help when I, when I got to the Canucks where I knew those guys really well already. Um, and then, you know, like, so, and again, I think with those guys, if you're, if you're confident and you can show them why what you're telling them is going to help them, they're all in. It doesn't matter where that source is coming from. If they believe what you're telling them can help them, they'll they'll buy into it on the most in most cases so through your time in vancouver any player that you worked with that maybe kind of taught you something <laughs> all of them <laughs> i mean it's that it that's that's been the most exciting thing for me working in the nhl with the players and you know not a not only the players as on ice but the people they are off ice i learned how to how to work what it takes how to be a professional every day um and i think those are things I learned from them, especially, um, I mean, working with the Stadine twins, those guys were the best people you'll ever meet. The hardest working guys never complained a day in their life. Um, you know, and, and even just picking their, their brain on, you know, there's lots of things they did on the ice where it's nothing I would ever teach players to do, but for them it works. And, you know, it was just their, the way they thought the game make, made them so, so exceptional so being able to talk to those guys and even you know over the last few years with Bo Horvat really spent a lot of time with him and you know just seeing the process he goes through every day as, as starting as a 19 year old to now being the captain again I, I think the biggest thing I would learn is to be a pro every day to show up for work every day and you know there's there's the old saying there's no bad days in NHL and you just that was the big thing um, again a guy like Alex Burroughs too guy played east coast american league you know and and probably scored some of the best, biggest goals in the franchise history and he's just a guy who who loved the game and uh was willing to learn and i i think that's are the biggest things where i you know i think you can learn from anybody and uh those guys kind of showed me that through the way they they prepared themselves so how important is it for you to establish, you know, a bond with the players that you're working with off the ice? Yeah, it, that's, that's huge. I mean, 
they have to respect you and, and you have to earn their trust for sure. Um, so I think relationships and, and coaching is probably the number one thing. Um, if, if they don't, if you don't have that, then there's, there's no point going on the ice because they're just going to go, go through the motions as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and that's, you know, even the guys I've started working with in Winnipeg, it, you know, a lot of them are guys I still work with in the summers today um, and still talk to them on a weekly basis through their careers. So I think that's one thing I was really able to do a good job with back in the Winnipeg days is create those relationships. And, you know, even the kids we are training and, and that, you know, that aren't playing hockey still, I still keep in touch with them and have different connections with them. And um, so I, I think the, one of the big things for me is to help develop these young people develop into good people. And uh, so that relationship aspect would be huge. Was there ever um, like, did you ever struggle with that fine line? You know, this is probably coming from my coaches being a, a coach background, but did you ever struggle with that fine line of working with the player and, you know, then that, uh, you know, the relationship they would have with their head coach and then you being a skills coach, was there ever that friction that you had to deal with a little bit? Yeah, no, not so much. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, it's a little bit different, right? Like the guys are probably more forthcoming and, and would talk to me more about things than they would the head coach or, or that. So I think, again, that was a big role I would have played as kind of being, you know, sometimes the guy they would come talk to and sit in the, sit in the office and just, you know, talk about life or other things other than hockey. So I think that's definitely a, a role and that was part of it for me. Yeah, uh, but I don't think it ever really, really caused any friction at all. And again, like, you know, the players had to trust that I wouldn't go run into the head coach and say, oh, so-and-so said this. And, you know, hey, I, you know, I know where he was last night. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think especially in my, my early years coming up here with, with those guys all at the same time, you know, I, I would have been a lot closer with them than I, than I am with the young guys now. Obviously, I'm a, a little bit older now. so. Uh, yeah, I think it was just, again, earning their trust. And they knew, like, you know, if I happened to see them somewhere, it was I would never say anything to the coach and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question exactly. No, but No, for sure. Just that, you know, you're starting to hear a lot of NHL guys who have their skill coaches away from their coaching staff in the NHL. And there's always yeah. that relationship, you know. And I know that there's NHL coaches that don't, you know, aren't very welcoming to that. And, uh, but I think this goes back to the trust and being a professional and knowing your role and what that's all about. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. Like that is, again, you asked me before about how things have changed that that's something that's changed a lot. Now everyone has a guy, right? So a lot, big part of my job would be contacting the, the guys that our, our players work with in the summers and all that. And so I think I would try and keep a relationship with them. Um, but there, I know around the league, there has been occasions where, you know, players, you know, they're, they're talking about on the power play and their skills guys saying, well, you should be here, but that's not what their team system is. So I have heard of them being some friction like that, but I think my role with being full-time with the team was to work on the skills within our system. Yeah. And I think that's what made it a little bit different. So I, I can definitely see there, there being friction that way um, when you're kind of, on the outside and and giving players information that doesn't really fit into the team structure that yeah. uh that could cause some friction for sure was there ever any friction between you know like you work with other nhl players on it, other teams mm -hmm. uh did vancouver ever have a problem with you doing that in the off season uh, not that i know of 
no, like when I, I think when I first came up, uh, Mike Gillis was a general manager and he knew what I was doing and there was no, you know, there was no surprise. I wasn't working with the guys during the season. I, I remember, uh, I remember, I think it was my first or second year and we were always in the battling with the Blackhawks. And obviously I've had a close relationship with Taves for a long time. So I remember Vino is always, you better not be going for dinner with your guy over there. And, you know, it was, it was more just tongue in cheek, but it, the first couple of years, even, even the players would, would get on me a little bit about that relationship I have with John. And, um, but that's kind of uh, died down a little bit, but it was, it was pretty funny. And I was, I was overly paranoid about it. I was, so it'd be, I'd go into Chicago and it's like, John, I can't, I can't go for dinner. Like, I, you know, and he would, he would kind of just laugh and be like, Oh, whatever. So it was kind of funny. That's funny. Yeah. Maybe last thing we'll ask you about your time in Vancouver. If uh, you know, a moment stands out from your, you know, you're there all like over a decade, any moments stand out that uh, you kind of think was a magical moment. Yeah. For two, I mean, two, the first was the, the Burroughs scoring again in that first, first round game seven overtime against Chicago. That was really, I mean, I was right behind the net where he scored and um, that was probably the most exciting. And then BX's goal against San Jose where it went off the stanchion there and, to get to go to the Stanley cup final. That was, that was an incredible moment that even as a staff, like you'll never forget it. And I, I don't think I've still, I, again, and then even being in Boston, I remember in going on the bench and warm up, and I was like, I, I remember I, I went on the bench and like the fans were like yelling at me and I'm just like me, like, and I was like, I'm <laughs> out of here, man. Like I had to get off the bench. It was intense. Like it was, that was a real intimidating rink. And then, they came out to their black and yellow song and I was just like, Oh man, I don't want to go out there. So I think that was probably as a, you know, growing up and dreaming to play in the NHL and, and have those moments. That was, you know, as close as I could get. And it was uh, something I'll never forget. Did you, did you spend time on the bench or were you more up in the press? Box? No, I was, I was always uh, in the early years when I was in the gym, I, I was, you know, during the first period I would, I'd be training guys. Um, like healthy scratches or injured guys and then I would go just stand behind the net for the second and third and then once I was out of the gym then I was always up in the press box so it you know the last few years I was sitting with myself Manny Malhotra and uh, Ian Clark our goalie coach and you know we'd kind of Manny would have the the headset we'd kind of all give a little bit our tidbits of info down but uh, um, that was another another great thing was working with with a guy like Manny um, who again is off in Toronto now and he's going to be a great coach in the NHL. He's just, you know, dedicated as professional as they come and, and a smart hockey guy. So when you were up in the press box, you were like had access to all the snacks and the meals and everything up there then. Yeah. They're, you know, some rinks are, are better known for the other, the, the good snacks too. Yeah. Uh, like Montreal, you know, getting the hot dogs. They always had the pyramid of hot dogs going up there. <laughs> okay. So now it's a, uh... Let's kind of move to now what we're doing is, uh, you know, you've taken a job with Ring Kelowna as the regional manager of player development. How did this opportunity come about for you? Well, I think, you know, the, the guys in Winnipeg there, I'm really co close with Jeff Leader. I've known John Kara through, through working in the Hockey Canada stuff we've done. Uh, you know, I, I talked with Brad Rice long ago when, when the rink was just starting, when we had folks fitness going. So, you know, I, I knew those guys pretty well, and I, I had heard that they had bought uh, the POE there from David Roy, and, uh, you know, I kind of just sent, sent out some feelers to see, 
what they had in mind and what they were they were doing and then they kind of realized if I was interested in leaving the Canucks and uh, we just kind of started talking from there about what the opportunity would be and you know it's a it's a real tough decision for me obviously I love being with the Canucks and um, but just for for family wise and to, to be able to move out there it was a good time for me and it was, it was kind of a time to move on and, and try something new again uh, so just kind of talks developed there and it was it's been a long process that's for sure and working with uh, Ryan Sear and John and, and Leader it's they've been great and uh, have kind of given me a lot of opportunities to to make my decision and and uh, and they realized it was a big one so yeah it was it was kind of a long process but a, but a good one to go through. I touched on family kind of you know it's a good time to move your family any other draws for you to join the rink team or was that kind of a major one for you? Uh, no I you know I've, I've kind of been keeping my eye on on what the rink's been doing obviously you know having been a you know owning Focus Fitness back in the day and kind of seeing the rinks develop and I I really like what they're doing I like the you know the you know, the science they're putting by behind it with Jeff Leader, the things they're doing, John Cara, um, and just their willingness to to provide the best opportunity for kids to develop. So that's that's what got me excited. And uh, I think that's something I'm really passionate about. And, and I feel now, you know, after working with guys in the NHL for so long, now, you know, I can really talk about to the kids about what it really takes. And um, so I think it's a really good mix and, and I'm really excited about what, what they have in mind up in Kelowna. Just uh, touching on there, what you said about working with, you know, NHL guys now going back and going to be working with the age group that you will in Kelowna. What would be the, like the first piece of advice that you would give like a young aspiring hockey player? What would be the first thing that you would talk about? Man, that's like, that's a tough question. Cause there's so many things. Like I think the big thing is like kids think they work hard and they think they know what it takes, but they have no idea. Like, yeah. you know, it's one thing even to make it, but it's another thing to stay in the NHL. And you have players all over the world, you know, working hard, just as hard as you are. And, you know, I think the the young guys who come in with us, it's a quick awakening. You know, when you're next, all of a sudden, you're next training beside Alex Edler, who's just a horse and who just works and, you know, is a professional. So I think that's the biggest thing is to, for them to be humble and to you know to not think they have it all figured out at this point if i can say it in a, in a, a nice way yeah um, i think that's one of the biggest things it's just go in kind of with your you know your your ears open and your mouth shut and enjoy the process put your head down and get to work right yeah yeah absolutely yeah like there, I always say there's, there's no magic potion. It, you know, it's hard work. Anybody that you've worked with in, you know, along your journey that uh, may not have bought in right away, but then saw what it took and then bought in. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think a guy like uh, Yannick Hansen comes out, out to me where he, I always give him a hard time about consistency and, you know, when things weren't going great for him, well, then he came and he worked hard in the gym. But when things were going well, he kind of, you know, just forgot about that stuff. And I think for him, it took him a little bit to to figure out to be a full-time NHL player that it's every day. And you can't just kind of pick and choose when you, you know, and I'm not knocking Yannick or saying he didn't work hard or anything because he did. But I think for him, he had to really understand the consistency 
it takes to do it day in and day out at that level. So I think, I think that would be an example of, of that. I'm sure there's some other guys, but, uh, and I, I also think like that to a lot of guys there, that's the difference of them making the NHL or, or staying a, in the American league often is just figuring that part out. Yeah. It's definitely crazy. Like when we see guys, uh, a lot of times when I'm working with junior guys, um, you know, have them stick around to watch the NHL guys and the pro guys on the ice yeah. Uh, just so they can see that. I mean, there's a huge difference, right? Like every rep means something yeah. and uh, you can really see the professionalism between, and, and we're talking high end junior guys, Yeah. but that's one thing that I've always noticed where it's like, you know, going on the ice with junior guys and being like, wow, these guys know how to practice. And then going on the ice with yeah. the pros and, and me being kind of shocked with how, how much of a difference it is. Yeah. It's a whole, and, and again, I talked about the speed. I mean, I would, I would go down and, and, be in Utica for 10 days and be in four or five of their practices on the ice. And then I'd come back up and be on the Canucks practice. And the speed difference was just in the, you know, it's even from that level, it's, it's miles apart. Um, and just like the crispiness of the passes and like the, the, yeah, it's just, yeah. Speed is huge. So what are some things, Glenn, you know, we'll get you on your way right away here, but what are some things that you hope to accomplish with the rink Kelowna program? Uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm kind of just starting to wrap my head around it and, and get thinking about that a little bit more. I just wrapped up with the Canucks here. Um, but I think right away is just a consistent skill development plan. Um, where I, you know, I, I don't think it does kids much good to, you know, work on skills here and there and not have a plan to it. Um, I kind of, really want to set development plans and, and even go as far as individual plans for players and development plans. I think the one thing it's, it's easy to just go out and run a skills practice, but to run one that's progressing and progressing to the next thing, what, what is important for that level player. And uh, I may be rambling a little bit, but John, Karen, and I have talked about, you know, the milestones and, you know, working back from your milestones. Okay. At this level, we want all the players to be able to accomplish this A, B, and C. And how do we get them there? Instead of just kind of like, well, let's do that. Let's do this today. It's going to be a progressed plan, a progressed skill development plan. Um, and I think too, like when I talked about skills, it's, it's not always, it's, I mean, for me, the last, you know, five, six years, it's been less about puck handling things and more about details and picking pucks off the boards and, you know, teaching them some principles of a rush where um, it's it's kind of those basic fundamentals that from those, now you can add the creativity and, you know, but once that player, the player needs to really go step by step, a progressed plan. Um, so in a long-winded answer there, I think that's kind of the first thing is to really, you know, get connected with where they're at and develop plans to, to help them develop to the, the levels they want to get to. That's great. Chu, you got any other questions? Well, I have one question. I heard this, like, uh, like you'll, you'll get custom to the rank training center and, and uh, employees that work in Winnipeg and in, in Kelowna, but there is, there is this like story going around that John Kerr is making you put up a picture of him in your office. Is that true? <laughs> well, it, that's, I wouldn't be surprised, but he's, he's got some pretty good hair, you know, so he can get if he sends me one, I'll I'll put it up for sure, no problem. 
get it autographed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll send it back to get autographed if it's not. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And I also, uh, yeah, I was listening to you guys one time. Did you guys ever do the, uh, the beep test, by the way? We didn't. We didn't not, eh? We're going to do it in the new the year. COVID, oh, yeah. the COVID, the COVID took the, you know, like we had, to, right. we had to get over the rink so we couldn't do it. So. Right, 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 right. Well, I look, I look forward to hearing those results. I know Andy a little bit too. So I was, I was kind of waiting to see who won that challenge. <laughs> well, I think Andy, like I said this before, Andy will win. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cause he's, he's just an all round athlete and you know, but these guys give me no credit. They think I can't, like, I don't know why. I'll have a good time. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Even if you have to drag me off the ice, yeah. you know, the, get the defibrillators ready. You gotta, I'll be you there. You gotta just get it out. That's what yeah. we've. I've watched. That's right. Uh, leaders come up and and done that test with our Canuck guys for years too in development camp and with their. So it's kind of a mainstay up here as well. So, it's a grinder. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you. We'll keep you in the loop on how those results turn yeah, out. I, I, I want to hear them. <laughs> Well, Glenn, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate you taking uh, time. We know you're a busy guy right now making the move to Kelowna, but uh, we'd like to you know, welcome you to the family and uh, we look forward to working with you in the future. Oh, great. I'm glad to, glad to be here and glad to be a part of it going forward. So, so yeah, I'll be up there soon. Yeah. Awesome. Can't wait. Okay, another great uh, interview uh, with Glenn there, his background, uh, you know, working with the Canucks, working with some of those players and the stories he told us there, but just the wealth of knowledge and experience he's going to bring to our staff out in Kelowna. I think that uh, we're going to be uh, very lucky to have him out there and it'd be great to have him on board. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to meet him in person. Uh, it seems like a great fit. And as you know, Chu, everyone that joins our team, that's a huge component, right? You have to have the background, but it has to be a good uh, fit. And he seems like a great guy. So I'm excited uh, for him to join the team. It was pretty cool too when we talked to him, you know, hearing his stories about being in the games where, you know, I'm a huge Canucks fan. So, I mean, I remember when Burroughs scored in game seven against Chicago, finally getting the monkey off of Vancouver's back. Like we couldn't beat Chicago. Uh, so it's cool to hear those stories because, I mean, I didn't talk about it in the interview because I would have looked like a, a complete <laughs> psychopath talking about how crazy of a Vancouver Canuck fan I am. But uh, pretty neat to have a guy like that with so much knowledge and experience uh, on board with us now. Yeah, just, you know, what he brings and you can tell he's got passionate about teaching, you know, hockey players, whether it be male or female. He knows what the game needs now at the pro level and for him to walk in and, uh, help these, uh, you know, young players in Kelowna and also here in Winnipeg, just to be able to make that connection and have that experience. I think it's going to be really great to have on board. So Chu, let's just end this now, man. What do you got for the rest of the day? Uh, not really much. Just kind of, you know, good to be back in the office to see some people. Um, you know, we have to maybe send out uh, a happy birthday to John Kara. Uh, I don't, I, I, I don't think he's 50, but he might be 40. Uh, I don't really know. I, I honestly, I spotted some gray hair in that flow that he was walking around with today. Um, so he might be 40. I don't really know, but, uh, happy birthday to John Kara. Yeah. Happy birthday, John. Uh, I think it's to be precise. I believe it's his 37th birthday, but he's getting close to 40. So by 40, you think he's got gray hair now? He's going to look like Alex Ovechkin by the time he hits 40. Yeah, or, yeah, you know what? I remember 37, and, uh, you know, it was a good year. So 
Mm. Oh, great year. It's like a fine wine, 37. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, well, Chewy, I wish you the best day in the world. It's, uh, you know, get outside, man. A couple more days of this mild stuff, but I think it's going to turn right away. Uh, get out there and uh, maybe maybe put the skates on. Take the kid for a, for a rip on the weekend. That's, yeah, I might get out in, on the LaSalle River and uh, do some twirls. Maybe uh, teach him how to shoot the duck. So. There you go. All right, hey, man. have a great day. You too.